Well, greetings, friends. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's good to be with you once again on our Wednesday uh, Bible classes. Um, now, this particular Wednesday class we're having with you uh, here uh, at the Research Center, we're uh, doing this session online uh, in the midst of a thunderstorm. So we, we trust that we will get most of it online and, and most of it up where we can have this time of fellowship with you. We've been talking about the reality of being in Christ, and I'm just going to cut to the chase on that today. The reality of being in Christ. One of the strongest realities of our union with Christ, that is of our being in Christ, is that in Christ we dwell in the presence. And we're going to be talking about the presence for probably the next several sessions on the Wednesday uh, classes that, that I have and on the uh, Sunday sessions uh, that I have. Uh, it is the presence that we will be looking at because there is so much misunderstanding in in the Lord's people, not just in the church world, but in the Lord's people concerning the presence. And the emphasis we'll be having in some of these sessions is to just to simply show that the presence is not referring to a feeling. Uh, a feeling that is outward, uh, a feeling uh, that is primarily emotional. Now, we, we get, I get emotional. Uh, many believers get emotional, some more than others. There are some movements in the church world uh, that exercise, even in their gatherings, more uh, emotions uh, than others do. Well, my point is, is that the presence, the true presence that we'll be talking about, into which we are brought in Christ Jesus, is, is not that. It doesn't come and go with feelings. It's not measured by feelings. Now, hon, I'm not telling you that, that you have no feelings, and uh, that, so mark that out. I'm saying that the presence that we'll be looking at through our union with Christ is not based upon feelings. It doesn't come and go with feelings. For years in my early ministry, and I mean really early, in the... Uh, in my teens, uh, it was totally based upon feelings. A 
certain emotional feeling that I was convinced was the presence of God. And I was wrong. But that presence is real and is eternal. And so we're going to be looking at in Christ we dwell in the presence. And in this search we're going to spend a good deal of time in Hebrews, Hebrews uh, 8 and 9, 10, and, and I don't know how much other, but in Hebrews. We're also going to be looking uh, in this search, whether, the, whether at this lesson or not, but in this search, uh, in 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. And we're going to be looking at some verses uh, in, in the 20s. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15 and, and several verses in the 20s. 20, verse 20, 21, 22, those verses. And then also uh, in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 40, the 40s, those verses that are there. We'll, we'll, we'll be looking at that. At first, I just want us to look in, uh, in Genesis... Uh, in Genesis, but before we do that, I have some other notes here I just wanted to rehearse with you. John fourteen twenty is where Christ is talking about bringing them into what we will understand to be the presence, though the word presence is not used there, but it's in John 14, and actually just read verse 1 through verse 20. We've done that time and time and time again because it speaks of our union with Christ. Uh, it, it, it comes to verse 20, And that day you will know that I am in my Father. He is dwelling in the presence. And you are in me, and I am in you. We are called into a glorious union, a glorious fellowship, the fellowship of the Son. The fellowship of the Son. We think a lot about being co-heirs with Christ. Co-heirs with Christ. But many times that's taught in such a way that we get a, we get a very carnal idea of our inheritance. Generally, it's preached as things. And worse than that, generally it's preached that it hasn't yet come yet, but one day it will come, and when it does, we'll walk on streets of gold. And that's preached as an inheritance. But listen to me, friends. The whole point of our inheritance is that we're joint heirs with Christ. Now, why would Christ, why would streets of gold be anything? to the Lord Jesus, the eternal, everlasting Son of God. See, it's our carnal minds that try to visualize our inheritance as temporal riches. And we, we want to say, well, they're eternal, but we talk about gold and silver and all of that, and then try to make it eternal. And Well, gold and silver is not eternal, and it hasn't got anything to do with our inheritance either. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you what does, I'll tell you what does have to do 
with our inheritance. It has to do with this fellowship, the fellowship of the Son, the fellowship that is eternal with the Father and the Son, the fullness that is eternal with the Father and the Son, the union, and all of that which is truly spiritual, that which truly can never belong to our soul except by Christ. It, it isn't something that Christ gives to us, it's that which we find Him to be, the one who dwells in us. Eternal life, eternal life. And our inheritance is all bound up in eternal life. But eternal life is not something we have in addition to Christ. It isn't something that Christ gives us other than Himself. Eternal life is the one who dwells in us. In Him we find the all things of our salvation. And in Him we find the presence and we're going to at least look at that during this session. So in John 14, and then also Hebrews 9.24, we'll, we'll look at that. That's, that's very basic to this search. He's brought us into the presence. We're called into a glorious fellowship, the fellowship of the Son. And I've asked this question before, and I ask it again. Is God after, and I'm just using my terminology, is God after, is that what He is after? In us, is He after in us the acceptance of facts is that the main thing, the acceptance of facts? Or is His desire for us in Christ, is His desire the affection of our hearts? And to do that, I want us to look maybe in this lesson uh, in Exodus 33, we dealt with this Sunday, but we're looking at the same principle on Sunday or whenever I'm, I'm, I'm teaching, and, and I'm talking about the Sunday sessions as well as with this Wednesday session. Uh, notice what he said to Moses, but for this session right now, I want to emphasize this one thing. The presence that I'm, of which I'm speaking, the presence into which we have been brought in Christ, our presence is through our union with Him, and that union is based upon that very one dwelling in us. Through dwelling in us, 
It is through His dwelling in us that we are found to be where He is because He is concerning this union because He is in us. And the one who is in us is in union with the Father. You will know I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. There's no way that we can understand that with a natural mind. I mean, you can go through every commentator that has ever written a commentary on the Bible. You can go back as far as you want to to the ones that have been dead for several hundred, if not a thousand years. And simply reading that will not open the eyes, or it will show you what is the fact, and it is the fact if you just can get a hold of it, but it is the fact that must become the very, the very desire, the very longing, of our heart just to know him in that way so the presence is not a feeling the presence is a person and I want to show you that quickly here in the garden Genesis 3 and 8 and I want us to see something there with regard to this story of Adam and Eve, which is the story of mankind, the first thing they did, having, having believed the lie, having believed it, having eaten it from the, from the tree that is nothing other than the lie. The tree of good and evil is the tree of the lie. Because our union, our union with Christ, our salvation has never been based upon good and evil. What is good, what is evil, is based upon what is Christ. Who is Christ? Far above good or evil, that is Christ. Because we'll always associate things good and things evil with the natural man. Huh? We always will. That's what happened in the garden. So stated that with the natural man. The natural man saw for the first time his own nakedness before God. And I will leave that as it is. But my point is, it isn't, my salvation is not about what is good and what is bad or what is evil. Our salvation is what is Christ, what is not Christ. Who is Christ? Who is not Christ? because our salvation is the very person of that living Christ, that living Son of God dwelling in our very soul. And that's the new birth. That's being born from above. Well, all right, let, I'll, I'll leave that alone, but it's just that so much in Christianity is based upon good and evil, but, it, but that but but all but that's always defined as things and 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 outside things it's it's always defined as as doing what is good and doing what is evil 
but you first got to decide what is evil and what is good. So then we develop our own, uh, our own dictionary on what is good and what is evil. Uh, hun, that's exactly, the, that's the whole thing that Satan was able to, to deal with in the garden. And it's a lie. It is a lie. And what was the result? Number one, they hid from the presence. Number two, they were put out from the presence. And I want to bring that in as we continue in these sessions. I want to bring that right over into the New Testament because there's something said about it there concerning folks that are put out from the presence. We'll come to that. We, we will come to that. Now, back in Genesis, I want to show you something here. I don't remember now whether I read this on Sunday or not, but it impressed me. And uh, it is something from Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown commentary. They're very good, at least with the defining of what Hebrew words actually mean. So let me just read this to you in Genesis 3, 8. And they heard the voice of of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Now, what our commentator here says, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking. And then he goes on to say, the voice of God is frequently used in the scripture to denote a storm, a war of element, and some think that in addition to the moral tempest of conflicting thoughts, that was raging in the breast of the fallen, they were exposed to a new and sudden convulsion of elements. Thunder and storms took place, and that that's what is being called, they heard the voice of God. But he goes on to show how that is not right, and how that here in this particular verse, of the he according to the Hebrew words and the Hebrew language, uh, that the voice or the word of God walking in the walking in the garden. But what they what the passage which is explained by most all of the targumists which agree to render it in the Hebrew. They heard the word of the Lord God walking. They point to what Isaiah said in Isaiah 30 and 27. The prophet also in the precise phraseology, the prophet being Isaiah, 
used the precise phraseology that Moses used here in Genesis, calls this being, B-E-I-N-G, capital B, calls this being that Isaiah is speaking of, calls this being the voice of the Lord. And in Isaiah 30, 30, 30, verse 30 and 31, hence the voice of the Lord must be considered here as the proper designation of the being, of the being, we would say of the person of his, of the being who appeared to our first parents. John, he uses John 1, 18 as a reference there. But the point here, when you really search this out, and, and I've found no better explanation of this in any of the commentators, but I really appreciate that is this one, that what they hid from was the very word of God himself, they heard him walking in the garden. Even that verb walking agrees with the word that they heard being a person. They heard the person. And it was from the person that they hid themselves. Now I want you to understand that, hon, because the person defines the presence. The presence from whom they hid themselves was the person of the Word Himself. John says, in the beginning was the Word. This is the Word that Moses was talking about here. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God, the Word was with God, the same Word was God. You can read it in John, the Gospel of John, the first chapter of that, that whole first verse, you can read this. That's the Word, that same Word that became flesh. And before that Word became flesh, He walked in the garden. But He was still a being, a being. Now we don't, we don't see, we can't start speculating except to understand that they didn't hide themselves from a feeling and they didn't hide themselves from some kind of an emotional convulsion brought about by an act of nature or storm or loud clashing thunder. None of that was what was going on here. They hid from the person, huh? They hid from the living Word of God. And that's the presence. Now, that presence and that person, as you well know, in type and shadow, is, is summed up and identified with the one and only tree of life in the midst of the garden. And that's what they were separated out from. 
to the fact that cherubims was placed there, that they could not enter in. Mankind could not find a way back into the garden. And yet God, through the very person of His living Word, spoke to the disciples. Oh yes, much later, but spoke to the disciples and said, I am the way. Now, not back into the garden, but into a, in that of which the garden certainly pointed and was a testimony. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's again in John 14. See, I don't know if we could just see this. If we could just look what happened in the garden and see that John 14 is not talking about going back, not talking about the Adamic race finding a way back into the garden. No, but what the garden spoke of and pointed toward. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto me, or no man cometh unto the Father. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And then he goes on in John 14 to say how that he will come again anew in spirit and dwell in those who were waiting for him. This is the day of Pentecost. It's fulfilled there, but he speaks of it there. He speaks of it in John 14. I will not leave you without a father, he says there. I will not leave you I will not leave you I will not abandon you and you will not be kept out from the presence. Let not your heart be troubled. All of this is about the presence. All of it is about the presence. We're going to read in just a moment that that's what Moses, years and years and years from where this garden episode took place, man shut out from the presence, that was in the heart of Moses, the presence. And that's the thing that is fulfilled for you and I but it's only fulfilled in Christ, in the place prepared of God, in the place designed of God, in the place spoken of by the prophet in Exodus even. We've read this so many times. But I don't know that we always see it kind of gathered up, you know, into this reality. Just coming out of Egypt now, crossing the Red Sea through the miracle of God there, the pillow 
the cloud, being brought through with the rolling back of the red tree. You know where I'm talking about. But look, look, what is the end of that journey? I don't mean cessation. I mean the goal of it. To what end? To what goal? To what purpose? To where is that? They're coming out to go in. In fact, their coming out is by the going in. And it's the same thing with you and I. That's where the term in Christ comes from. And we're talking about the reality of being in Christ. Darling, we're not really, not really talking about the reality of being out of anything. The reality of being out of sin. Though we are. But it's not it's not our salvation is not by the measure of sin. The greatness of our salvation is not measured by the hole we were dug out of. The greatness of our salvation is measured by Christ Himself, who is the fullness of that salvation. It's not measured by sin. So the whole point is right here, thou shalt bring them in. And he gives a description here, and plant them in the mountain of thine, what did I talk about? Inheritance. In the mountain of thine inheritance. In the place, O Lord, which thou hast made for thee to dwell in. And that's where we find the presence the presence is not someplace where we are waiting for the Lord to come. The presence is in the Lord Himself who is now come. But it's not a feeling for the natural man. It has nothing to do with that at all. In the sanctuary, O Lord, which thy hands have established, the Lord, it's, it's, in, it's in the place, for the Lord shall reign forever and ever. Well, all right. But then we, we follow that right on through God's dealings with Israel all the way through to Solomon and his temple. Because it's, there's the type, there's the shadow, there's the testimony that is fulfilled in Christ. So, all right, we've read in Genesis, there in the garden, the voice of the Lord was heard walking in the garden. He was heard walking in the, the voice of the Lord, the Word of God. The Word of God. The Word, and, it's, and, 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 and the Targumist put it as saying, and they heard the Word of the Lord God walking. Oh, they heard the Word of Jehovah God walking. They heard the Word, hun. That's the word that's in you now if you are born from above. That word is none other than Christ himself. 
the indwelling, eternal Son of God, who says, No man cometh to the Father but by me. I am the way, the truth, the life. Now, in direct reference to that, I'm just reading some verses here for you. I'm, in, in direct reference to what I just said, I am, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life, in reference to that. Exodus 33, 13 through 17, Moses is praying. This is a lot of confusion going on here. It's, it's around Sinai. Uh, there's, uh, Moses has been there. The, the law has been given. Uh, Israel has, uh, uh, in, in this whole thing here, Israel has, has, has couldn't find Moses, couldn't see Moses. He's up in the mountain. So they talked. They, they they talked Aaron in to build a golden calf. I mean, there's a lot of confusion here. And Moses is saying, now therefore I pray thee. He's praying for them that they not just be all wiped off the face of the earth at one time. I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way that I may know thee that I may find grace in thy sight and consider that this nation is thy people and the Lord said the word in the King James, it's and he said is referring to to the Lord, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And then Moses answers, and he said unto him, Moses said, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up. And that has always struck me for a long time. And in this little search, I remembered Moses' conversation. And I always just call it, here's the heart of Moses. Here's the heart of Moses. What does Paul say in Colossians 3 about? Set the affection of your heart. Set our affections, and those are the affections of our heart. It has nothing to do with the affections of your flesh. Nothing to do with that. But the affection of our heart. Where? On things above. On things above. Not on things on earth. And we're not just talking about earthly things. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. And when he who is our life shall show himself, shall show himself, 
shall appear, shall show himself. Then shall you be shown also. Then shall you, then shall you appear. Then shall you see. Then, it, then shall it be shown that you are with him in his presence. That you are with him who is the presence. That you are with him in his glory. He who is the glory of the Lord. My word, honey, my word. There is the reality of our being in Christ. What, what is like unto that? What could compare to that? Everything that John uses in the book of Revelation concerning that city and that new Jerusalem. Everything he says there is in direct relationship to and finds its fulfillment in the Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal everlasting Son of God. It all does. It all does. Well, all right. In verse 16, he says, here's, the, here's, the, here's his basis for, for wherein, if thy presence go not with me, then carry us not up hence. For, for wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken. For thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And then here in Exodus 33, 18, through 23, discontinues. His desire is that he see the glory of the Lord. And we won't go into that story right now except to say that his cry was partially answered, but because of the of actually there, the dispensation of that time, it was impossible. For Christ had not yet come in that purpose and for that purpose. And so Moses could not, from the outside, see what could only be seen from the inside. 
was hidden to the natural mind and the natural eye. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there's a place by me. And he began to describe that place. He began to describe that rock in a way that it can speak of nothing nor anybody nor any place except that abiding place where Christ himself is. That we are placed upon that stone. We are placed in the very cleft of that stone. where our life is hid with Christ in God. But unlike it was for Moses, there you and I. But when our life, but when Christ to us our life shall show himself, then we shall see him in his glory and understand that we are there in Him, in His glory. And the Hebrew writer, which is where I want us to go just now, for just a little, for a few minutes, the Hebrew writer, uh, in Hebrew, Hebrew 8, or 9 rather, let's go to the end of that, Hebrew 9, verse 24. Uh, because the whole, then this, well, I'll tell you why in a minute. Hebrews 9, verse 24 is where, is where we end uh, with our printout on, uh, on Hebrews. Uh, actually, it's verse 28 that we end, but I've sat here and quoted all of that to you. But in Hebrews 9, 24, for Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands. He is not entered into the holy places made with hands. This is re directly referring to Moses, to the tabernacle, to Solomon and his temple. It is referring to what was stated, what was typed, of that which was given testimony in the Holy of Holies. In the Holy of Holies with just the Ark of the Covenant there. And it was a type of heaven. It was a type of the most holy. And it was where the glory of the Lord did appear. And it was shut off by the veil, the veil which, which, which really came into its being as it was put, a veil was put over the face of Moses so that they could not see just the afterglow of that glory in the face of Moses. They couldn't look at it. And, and on and on that goes. But Paul deals with that whole thing 
deals with everything I've just said concerning Moses on the mountain and, and the glory of the Lord in, 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 in the tabernacle uh, of Moses and, and the veil and all of that in Second in Corinthians, the third chapter. Paul deals with that. Second Corinthians, the third chapter, coming from the glory of that covenant to the glory of the new covenant, from the glory that Moses saw to the glory that is Christ in you and beholding as in a glass that glory and being changed into the very image of that glory which is Christ himself. But we're not talking about some kind of an outward <laughs> molecular physical change. We're talking about our soul, darling, standing in the presence. So it's the presence that we're talking about here. A presence that is throughout the Scripture. A presence in which Moses wanted that both he and Israel would dwell and the Lord showed himself in a, in a pillow of fire and a pillow of cloud in that type, in that shadow, showed himself, and that it's, and what was that? It was a guarantee that his presence was there, that he was there in his presence. You understand? It's not a feeling, but that which the Lord showed of himself at that time. And it is fulfilled in Christ. Why? Because we're not dwelling in a type and shadow. But in this one. For Christ is not entered into holy places made with hands. As did Moses. Which are the figures of the true. But into heaven itself. Now. To appear in the presence of of God for us. Not that we're someplace else. No, no. This word means more than that. He appears for us who are hidden in Him. You will know I'm in my Father. You are in me. I am in you. Yeah, you will because the Spirit of God will awaken your heart and your soul to that reality. To that reality. And that reality is not, again, just a, just a doctrinal issue or doctrinal meaning. That reality is in the person himself and, and seeing the person himself, but not in an outward way, for that would just pass. He dwells in you, dear friends. All right, I'm going to stop here. Now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Not him there, we're someplace else, but the fact that except he be there, we could not be there. We are there in him. Not I, but Christ.
but as real as is our union with him, so real is his presence, his person, his spirit in us. Blessed be the Lamb of God. That's enough for now. And uh, may the Lord richly bless you. It's good to be with you in these sessions. And we just welcome you to them time after time after time. If there's anything we can do to help you, any way we can help you, please don't hesitate to let us know. And find us on YouTube. And when I say us, I mean us. And the word and the message and the ministry that is in and going out from this place. So it's just good to be with you today. And uh, we appreciate those of you who enable us to be with you. Not who enable us to be here upon this mountain, but who enable us to reach out from this place. And that's, that's what those who are in support of us that's what that's for. That's what that does. Enables us to do what I'm doing right now, what Rabin is doing, what Jim is doing, what Daniel is able to do, what we're able to do out from here. And we thank you for it. Thank you for your support. And may the Lord richly bless you. Amen.